When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brother, do you know Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad? Uh, I do not know him, no. Well, I know who he is. All right, welcome in, everybody. I'd like to thank Howard Eskin, Howard the King Eskin, for that uh, wonderful introduction to the show. Yes, it's another episode of your favorite program. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Only good things to talk about on a Tuesday uh, because the union uh, went out and made a great signing. Uh, They have other guys, uh, alumni, who are going on to bigger and better things. And it looks like they're going to keep all their best players at the same time. So that's a slam dunk as we... uh, as we like to say. Uh, welcome in, everybody. A first-time guest to the program from MLSsoccer.com. It's Tom Bogert. Tom, how are you? Thank you. Um, I also don't know who you are, while also want to want to say that I'm mad that I haven't been on yet. So it's a good combination <laughs> of things that cannot also be true at the same time. <laughs> I appreciate this. And you asked, me, <laughs> you asked me before we started this, you said, is there a visual component to it? I said, no, it's just audio right so you can wear like crusty sweatpants and like a plain white t-shirt if you want i your mustache is so crazy that i almost wish that i had this going on youtube at the same time so uh maybe i'll have to share a photo with everybody on uh on social media about that but i appreciate it's a grateful dead hat kind of completes it too grateful dead hat the ac milan um (laughs) like sweater it looks like a sweatshirt and you've got the mustache so that you look like a man who's ready to talk about philadelphia union soccer Um, Listen, this is not your grandmother's Philadelphia Union. You know, they made a, a just paid a record transfer fee for Mikhail Orr. Uh, the depth chart you put on Twitter the other day looked fantastic to me. It got me kind of excited. Um, so let's just take it one at a time here. They go out and get Mikhail Orr from Denmark. He's a leading goal scorer over there in that league. An ambitious signing, a great signing. Um, that's the way I see it. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I, I joked about this when I was writing a feature on them recently after the signing. Like I've written the, the words club record you know, it feels like a hundred times in the last three or four years of the union, you know, whether it was season after season, just slightly improving to the, to the point of the supporter shield and then getting to the conference final last year in CCO and then record sale record purchase with Jamiro Montero. And now new record with Mikhail Orr. obviously this would not be a transfer record for the majority of the teams in MLS, but it is still a signal of intent. And I think that the the best way to put it is a 27 year old center forward. So a guy in his prime, he's a little bit of a late bloomer. But he was the player of the year in the Danish league, and he's playing for Bronby, where Hani Mukhtar came from, and in a club that, you know, is well regarded for talent and developing players. You know, this isn't the best player on a Champions League favorite team, but like this is a super good signing, and and I think that the Union have, if nothing else, earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to players that that they've acquired over the last few years. So the fact that they are laying two point eight million dollars on the line for this guy, which Again, in, in the terms of general MLS, isn't a, a big deal or a big number, but in terms of the Philadelphia Union, I think that that speaks volumes. Isn't it kind of fascinating how the union's growth is like on this perfectly like linear curve, you know, where it's like you, you normally don't think about that at all. Usually like an owner comes in and they splash a bunch of cash and then they either hit those signings or they don't. And then they dial it back a bit. Or then they spend a little bit more. But to your point, it's like they spend a little bit more. 
then a little bit more, then a little bit more. And there's been this like slow and, and steady growth. So it, it, it makes me laugh because I hammered Jay Sugarman as much as anybody back in the day, not because I didn't think they had a good foundation, you know, but because I felt like they weren't exploring all the avenues that they could possibly explore. Maybe that last bit of investment wasn't there, but kind of making his point from years past, it's like, we're going to do it our way. We're going to build through the academy. We're going to go slow and steady and we're not going to spend unless we don't have to. Um, but now it's kind of like this like incremental growth and it makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And it's like re- really weird how linear it is. Like, again, it was like 2018 was a new club record for points. And then 2019 was, and then 2020 was in terms of points per game because of the yeah. truncated season plus a, a trophy. And then it was like, they made the playoffs and then they lost. Then they won their first playoff game against the Red Bulls. And then they lost. Then it was, they hosted their first playoff, whatever it is. And, and then getting to the finals, it, it was like every year was an incremental growth bar for losing to new England in, in round one in 2020. Like everything else has just been a steady increase to the point where like even Ernst Tanner and Jim Curtin have half joked, like, yeah, like MLS cup is next. That's pretty much it. So Theoretically, I think we should be looking at the union as 2022 MLS Cup champs because <laughs> there is nowhere else for them to incrementally grow until then. And if, if the trajectory is the same since 2017, 2018, um, it feels inevitable. It's just funny to me. I have like the biggest shit eating grin on my face because I'm just like, when we started this podcast, the union weren't even like in the same stratosphere as the team that we're describing now. But, um, you know, you got to the point now where Cincinnati is poaching a general manager and a coach. From and every player there. that they can find. Any player that they can find. <laughs> Ray Gaddis, unretired to join Cincinnati. We'll, de- we'll uh, determine a little bit later on if he's a traitor or not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, in addition to that, I thought for sure that there would be interest in Kai Wagner, Jamiro Montero, uh, Brujo Martinez. And there has been, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you tweeted the other day, it looks like all three of those guys are, are staying. Is that true, number one? And then number two, if it is, are you as surprised as I am? Because I thought for sure, what, like, one or more of those guys might be gone after this year. Absolutely. Um, well, the, the low-hanging fruit is Kai Wagner in the sense that we're on off-season number two where he's given an interview where he said he'd like to be transferred within the next few weeks. Last year resulted in a new contract. I don't know if that's what the desire was this year. But, I mean, there was there was interest. Brentford, uh, Fulham were among the clubs. Udinese had been interested in him last year. I'm sure that that continued. I'd heard of a couple Italian clubs that I couldn't get confirmed, but I was told by by people, by sources that no offers really came. They had inquiries, but there was there was nothing that was official for any of these players, which, which was really surprising to me, particularly for uh, Jose Martinez. Like he's a phenomenal player. He had proved it in MLS over the course of two years. And more importantly, to some European scouts, he proved it at, at the Copa America. I was talking to folks at the club that like that's when teams were really kind of like taking uh, note of him. Like they kind of had them on the, had him on their radar or it was a fact of him jumping out to them uh, performing with Venezuela at the Copa America. And then they went back and watched him with Philly and was like, Oh wow, this is the player he is. This wasn't just a 90 minute one-off. Yeah. My assumption in this, if, you, if we had this conversation in the summer, I would have said hundred percent Jose Martinez is gone in the winter. If you asked me December 15th, I would have said probably 90% he's gone. And then I just kept on asking and kept on getting yeah, nothing. Nothing's happening. Like there's a lot of interest, you know, the, the, it, it, the, I've talked to a number of different teams in MLS. It, it's, it's like when you're buying a player, it, it, everything's normal in the world. But when you're selling a player, every European club cries COVID and, you know, well, we, we need a discount. But when there's, when MLS seems to try and acquire, there is no talks of discount. There is no talks of COVID. It doesn't exist anymore. So I think that that's what happened with the union, particularly with Jose Martinez and, and probably to a lesser extent, Kai Wagner, in that 
you know, at, at what number would make sense for these clubs to sell for, uh, for Philly to sell these guys. And I guess at what number for European clubs, would it make sense to buy a 25 year old left back in Wagner? I believe he turns out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And Jose Martinez is what 27. So this is kind of like what happened with Aaron long. I'd imagine with the Red Bulls the past couple of years, like there might not be a great middle ground for European clubs in, in the market to buy these players. And they're too valuable for the union to, you know, let go for like $3 million. Like how do you, how do you, how do you, um, replace these kind of players best 11 players at that number and at their contract so i think that's all part of it that's not to say that there won't be more we won't be doing this again in the summer but i'm pretty shocked that jose martinez is still here um and then a quick tangent on, on jamiro montero yeah you can't accept offers that don't exist and that's all i'll put it out yeah fair enough and uh it's interesting to me too because jose is a guy like you said national team doing it for the national team uh jamiro as well um you know for a lesser national team and for a national team nonetheless uh, obviously, Kai Wagner's not going to be playing for Germany anytime soon. But um, you know, I'm I'm pretty much shocked that they're not being moved. But I understand why. You know, I, I guess I'm I guess I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. But I think there's a, I think there's a lot of of to what you said about you know you now you're sort of seeing this precedent for like these young like kids now. How many like seven million dollar transfers have mm-hmm. to Europe have we seen in like the last like couple of weeks? You know, whereas before it's like everybody was trying to get that American discount. It's like they thought yep. they could like bullshit us for like a million dollars for like the best player over here. And that's not the case anymore. So you have a precedent where like these young American or Canadian kids are going overseas for a decent amount of money. But right, like it's that's maybe not the same for like the best left back who's ever played for the Philadelphia Union who's a little bit older. And you know, is not on the same path as those other guys. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like it, it just, I think Tutu Raman uh, put up a, a really good graphic um, and he kind of put like nine different zones for players in like, for, I guess um, using a, a different example, Kevin Predis, he, he was going to be a starter for DC United. He was going to be an important player, but he was 19 years old on a homegrown contract. It, it, the inevitability slash like the price to easy sale. But then you go on the other end of the spectrum where it like doesn't make a lot of sense. So the Aaron Long one was I was talking about. Same thing, I guess, with Kai Wagner. Um, insert any like Jordan Morris, Paul Ariola going on loan last year. That wouldn't have happened if the league wasn't delayed. Like that was part of the reason why the club said yes to that was driven in part for the national team and, and giving Morris and Ariola the, the chance to play in the championship on loan. Like that doesn't make any sense for clubs like that and, and, and yeah. sticking to the union. Like, again, just not to repeat myself, but like what price would make sense for, for a club to let go of, you know, the two best 11 type towns in, in Martinez and, and Wagner. Um, obviously the club have, have proven in the past and will continue to prove they're not going to stand in the way of these players. They're not going to hold them hostage. They're not going to, they're not going to say, well, you're on a contract, like tough shit. Um, see ya, see ya and be happy and, and play well. Like, yeah. So, it's just, I don't know what that realistic offer would have to be. Um, and again, from what I was told, as of the night before deadline day, there, there were no official offers that came to the Philadelphia Union. There, had, there were, you know, preliminary talks, there were inquiries, but nothing got advanced back and forth unless that something drastically changed on deadline day, which I still haven't heard, but I haven't asked to be fair. But again, as of, as of the day before, there, there was, it's not like they rejected good offers and they're holding these players. There was just, I guess, nothing happened. Yeah. Um... Brendan Aronson linked to Leeds um, as much as $20 million, I think was reported at one, at one point. I think you and other people reported that now they're looking at, uh, you know, maybe reapproaching Salzburg in the summer. Um, what's the latest on that? And also remind me again, cause I should have written this down. I've done very poor uh, prep for this podcast, admittedly um, the sell on fee that the union have for Brendan. Oh, that is going to be, it's, I wish it was a more straightforward answer. So we'll start with what, what the latest is when it comes to, to Brendan. 
Um, I'll quibble with the they, they're going to go back for talks. Talks are continuing. Talks are ongoing. Um, the leads desperately want him. They wanted him now. They wanted, you know, like any other team, when you have a target in your site, you want the player now. Salzburg um, were adamant for months from everybody I've talked to that they weren't going to sell in the winter. Um, they weren't going to sell any players. This wasn't just a Brendan thing. Um, and in Brendan's side of things, he would love a move to Leeds. He knows that it's a great fit and he believes in, in their project and, you know, under Bielsa and playing the Premier League. And what one would imagine would be a, a nice hefty pay bump to get that Premier League money. But he also appreciates everything Salzburg has done for him in terms of development, in terms of, you know, identifying him and how they've treated him since he got there. So he wasn't going to be pushing for a move. He's, he is in full belief that the club will accept uh, fair offers in the summer yeah. and that they will work with him and, and, and won't just try to kind of push him to Leipzig if, if that's, you know, one of the teams that are interested as, as they are. But, but Leeds are trying to, I guess, wrap it up if they can because there's no guarantees as you get to the summer. But I guess in the other side of things, if you're Aronson, there's no guarantee that Leeds are going to stay up. You know, you, you'd assume that they are yeah. likely to, but, you know, if they don't, you, wanna, you don't want to lock yourself into a transfer to a, champions, a championship club. So that's kind of where things stand. I think that this will get done for similar to, to the figures that are that are happening now i think Leeds would have paid more to get him now but again salzburg were adamant that that wasn't going to happen um in terms of how this impacts philadelphia in a financial sense instead of just a nostalgia sense with with brendan they this is best case scenario for the union that he's going to be there until the summer um, as has been described to me that virtually guaranteed for every dollar of the incentives to take place so the fee goes to nine or nine and a half million i believe if I get off the top of my head yeah um off of the six or six and a half that was up front, uh, which is some combination of, you know, appearances and, you know, winning the league. Um, I think they're 15 or 18 points ahead at this point, qualifying for the Champions League, all of that. So all that should and will hit. So they'll get every dollar of the deal that they negotiated a couple of years ago. And then in terms of the sell-on, it's tiered between 10 and 20% is probably the best way I figured out how to write it on Twitter. Um, the long of it is it's, you know, the, the first nine and a half million or whatever it is, is is 10 percent it's at at different thresholds it becomes a different percentage so i have no idea exactly where that final number is going to be yeah say it's 30 million that uh leads pays for him or whoever pays for him but um it will be somewhere between 10 and 20 percent of that you know i i part of me is like I, it's, it's funny because I don't I, I look at him playing for Leeds and seeing him playing with Bielsa and being like on the opposite side it's like Jack Harrison mm-hmm. and to me that'd be cool to watch like two MLS dudes you know, tearing it up for a, a Premier League team, assuming they stay up. But then, like, the, you know, my, like, uh, the other half of it that kicks in for me is I get, like, nervous whenever I see an American, a young American guy linked to the Premier League. I have, like, flashbacks of, like, some Breckshay bullshit, you know, where I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, not this again, you know. But to, like, to, then I, like, kind of talk. I, I talk myself into something, then I talk myself out of it. Then yeah. I talk myself into something. I keep, like, yo-yoing back and forth. And I, I just remember saying to myself, like, I didn't, I didn't think he was ready for Europe at all when he left Philly and I'm like, is he going to like do well at Salzburg and, and totally prove me wrong. And he's been tearing it up over there. Now he's playing for the national team. So like, I mean, I guess he's ready for the premier league. If I talk myself into it. Right. If, if this was him going to from Philly to Leeds, I would not like it. Like if this was two years ago or whatever. Um, But this is like, I had disagreements even with people at the club that, I mean, maybe this is just my New Jersey angle of believe and believing in in Brendan Aronson and and my, (laughs) you know, not to make anything about myself here, but the personal angle, this Brennan had been kind of some of my first big scoops or whatever. So I, I've, I always have a very high opinion of, of this kid. Yeah. Um, 
And I was, I remember I've talked to, I've talked to people in the club. They're like, yeah, I, like, I don't think he's ready for the, for the Bundesliga. And I was like, you don't think he could be a rotation player for like the 12th best team in Germany right now? Like I find that hard to believe. And yeah. then he went to Salzburg anyway, which I thought was a better fit because he, as, as it turned out, he was going to play all the time, no matter what, um, and still get champions experience. But the way that he's playing in Europe, the way he plays in these big games of the national team, like I like at the Jim Curtin had a good quote about this. And he's, he said it many a times like the, yeah, Brennan just, wins the trust of, of coaches and they just can't take them off the field. That's just how it is. So I think that like, I'm just going to bank on that for until I see anything different. And, and I assume that uh, Leeds would find some minutes for him um, and consistently, and then yeah. he would become just somebody that couldn't take off the field. Well, and, and Jim came on this show. I mean, I guess it was like three weeks ago. He came back on the show and um, I like, I've known I've, I covered Jim for forever and like, mm-hmm. we have a good relationship. So he's, so he's honest with me. And he basically said straight up, like, I didn't really notice this right off the bat, but when I watched them play this year, I'm like, man, they aren't high pressing, you know, they're not pressing anything close to the way they were before. And like, he more or less confirmed that it was because mm-hmm. the guys that they had playing there can't run like Brendan can, right. you know, they can't, he, they can't, you know, attack the, the, the fullback, you know, in possession, you know, he, they can't cover, they can't cover as much distance as Brendan does, you know? So if he's playing in a system that suits him, you know, like Bielsa's system or whatever, I think he can play anywhere, you know, like people talk about the physicality, like you got to be like a certain size or whatever to play in the premier league. I don't know. Like, uh, you know, he's playing like Europa league and some champions league stuff too. Okay. That's not exactly a pushover, you know? So I think like, I just think the thing that impresses me the most about Brendan, is like the guy that I watched in 2019, the guy that I watched in 2020 with the union looked nothing like the 2019 kid Mm -hmm. and the 2021 version of Brendan looked nothing like the 2020. Like I've never seen anybody. I'm not like, blowing sunshine up anybody's ass here i'm not like like exaggerating this because it's a union podcast and like it's the local team but like i've i can't think of any other examples in any other sport that i've covered where a dude has made so much year over year growth to not even like he doesn't even look like the player that i remember yeah it's wild like in that first year in 2019 the key took the starting job from Marco Fabian, but you know, he wasn't, I forget what his goal numbers ended up being, but he wasn't entirely goal dangerous. And then bang, it was like, it was like three goals or something. Yeah. yeah and, but he, and like goals and assists and chances created, whatever it is, like then the next year he added that and, and consistency. And then people were saying, all right, he's probably still not good enough for Europe or whatever it is. And then he's there. And then like, I wrote something, uh, I wrote a feature on him for the guardian because it was like, we're all penciling in all these United States, um, teams and then Giorena's hurt or, or Christian Pulisic's hurt and guess who's always there Brendan Aronson and yeah. like I, I he got some stick I think in the Canada game like most of all if not all of the players did but I thought particularly in the first half there there wasn't anybody more likely to create a chance than Brendan Aronson and not to get on a tangent here like I, th- I wish that the team would play that that team would play more in press and transition between you know Brendan and 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 Pulisic and, and the midfield is just completely tailor-made for that but like i still think in a role that doesn't perfectly suit him like he's not an out and out winger in that system he's not somebody who is always going to be kind of dribbling at, at somebody he, he's best when he can be near duels and, and in the middle but like still in and it just goes to show what we were talking about of in say maybe not his best role or his best system he still finds a way to be a good useful player so like i don't know it's just it really is wild, and it, and it just speaks to, to him first and foremost, and it speaks to what the union kind of developed and, and what they identified in him. So Austin Trusty's going to Arsenal. They're loaning him back to Colorado. He'll go over there in the summer, and then Arsenal that confirmed that they'll loan him somewhere else over there. Um, oh, did they? <laughs> yeah, and it was actually written on their website, believe it or not. I think it just kind of slipped. Like, I, like 
We all it's, okay. We uh, we know that you know this. Yeah, you might as well just write it on letterhead. I don't know how I feel about that because to me, it's like we all kind of knew it, but <laughs> to me, it, it, it I, what's the word I'm looking for? Mean. It it I don't I don't want to like it, it felt. Man, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but it felt like PR ish to me, yeah. like in a way because it's like okay, we're gonna bring up a guy from our sister owned club in a lesser league but they're basically saying straight up right now they have no intention of ever like playing him at, at arsenal and like i we set the over under on austin trusty arsenal appearances at like two you know and i'm not trying to be like a, i'm not trying to be a dickhead to austin because he's a great kid or whatever but like it, the whole way it's being phrased and the way it came up the way that they're writing about it and people are talking about mm-hmm. it it just feels like it's more of a can't find the right word. Like it's honestly more like a symbolic Paper. kind of thing than anything. But I, at the same time, I'm happy for Austin. So I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, you know, that's my take on it. Yeah. So that my joke was going to be over under 0.5 Premier League appearances. And if you had, <laughs> you had to press me, I'd say under. Because I could see a couple care about Cup games in his future. Something like yeah. that happens when he's waiting on a loan or something like that. But yeah, I mean, the people I've talked to, not at Arsenal or Colorado, it should be stressed. So this is just theories or whatever. It was that, you know, there are, there is legitimate interest. There was legitimate interest from non cronky clubs um, in Austin trustee in Europe. Like that okay. is yeah. like, I can confirm that, but the assumption or the theory from sources I've talked to around the league is like, they maybe didn't get Colorado didn't get the offers that they thought they were going to, or they didn't meet the valuation. Um, and the club, you know, trustee wants to be in Europe. So the club wanted to work with him in that. And then, if the same guy is writing the checks for both teams, what difference does it make if he's writing the check from Arsenal rather than Colorado? So yeah. it's kind of doing Colorado a favor, getting him to Europe. And then like, as, as the, apparently they put on letterhead that they're going to find him alone. So that was always the assumption. Um, so I don't know. And I guess it's just unfair to him because we're viewing this negatively or not necessarily negatively, but the way we're taught, we're like trying to caution, like, okay, he's not an Arsenal player. Like really, like it's more of like when city football group signs someone like, yeah. Yeah. When, like, Eric Palmer Brown, like, there was no chance that he was going to play for Manchester City, really. Like, yeah. Matt Miazga with Chelsea was a little different, but it was a similar thing. Like, it was like, all right, is, is this going to be a lone army guy or whatever it is? So, yeah, that's look, where it at is. At the end Austin. of the day, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I just to point before no, I forget no, it. Like, we, th- like, at the end of the day, if you look back at your career and you have a Matt Miazga type of career where you played like 30 games for Vitesse and like a mm-hmm. bunch of games for like Alaves and like, like, no, those, those teams aren't Chelsea, but they're not, like, shit teams in the, like, Bulgarian <laughs> fourth division. Like, that's a pretty nice resume to hang your hat on, you know what I mean? Especially for Austin, who was seen to be, like, surplus or not part of union plans to have mm-hmm. an interleague trade and then end up in, in Europe anyway. I think that's a that's a good, like, feather in the in the cap for him. And, you know, he feels like he has something to prove over there and he can challenge himself at the next level. So I think union fans yeah. need to think of it less as like, oh, my God, they did we let one go? Because I don't that's not what happened yeah. here. But at the same time, you can be happy for him because he's going to get a opportunity to prove himself overseas, you know? Yeah. And, and I think another part that I haven't offered as a theory is that the unit had 25% sell on. So I get like, there is another argument that again, if, if it's the same ownership group that, okay, we'll transfer between our clubs. And I don't know what the fee is going to be. Let's theoretically call it 3 million or whatever. And then you get 25% of that. And then maybe in Jan next January, after he's on loan for six months at a club, the purchase option will be 5 million. So instead of 25% of 
five million is twenty five percent of three million or whatever. It's just insert any number there. So I think that probably played a part. But but again, I like it. I do think that it's it, it's cool. It's really awesome for him. And, and again, as long as we we don't view this as awesome trustees, good like start printing Arsenal trustee jerseys. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Then I I think that that's the way to look at it. Yeah, I don't think anybody in Delco should be running out right now to get the Austin <laughs> trustee, uh, you know, um, Arsenal shirt. But I'm ha- I'm happy for Austin because he's a good kid, and like I hope he does well over there. Mm-hmm. Um, last one for you, Tom. Um, kind of like a this is more of like a meandering thing. I don't really have it. I'll form a question by the end of it. <laughs> uh, you can see that all of the Ben Simmons and assorted bullshit has kind of left me a little scatterbrained for this one but we're uh, we're doing it on the fly here um this is big kind of like a watershed you know transfer window for mls and like even i mean you can even include the last one or just like the last lump the last year in general like together but to look at like some of the clubs that these young american and canadian guys are going to and like they're paying like decent amounts of money you know we're not getting like we're not the, the american discount doesn't really exist anymore um you know, you're talking about like a bunch of $7 million transfers for guys like Paredes, you know, and it's like, to, to me, it's like, it, it, it says a lot, you know, because there are people are finding value in, in the type of player that's coming from here and going overseas. And uh, I think it's a big win for the league, which kind of uh, takes a big step forward uh, into legitimacy in the, in the, in the world market, you know? Yeah, and by am I allowed to use one gratuitous f bomb here? I don't want you can use as many as you want. Normally, there's more drinking and cursing on this show, but (laughs) we're we're recording at one thirty, so yeah, so it's a little (laughs) it's a little tempered today. Yeah, Yeah, so it's it's fucking awesome. Like it really is. Like I I wish that I like I do have better analysis than that, but like it's just fucking awesome. Like the fact that you look at Brian Reynolds got got sold last year for eight and a half million dollars for. 15 MLS games and Kevin Paredes got sold after what 25 MLS games for seven and a half million dollars like it's awesome and then you got all these guys going to different places like I've talked to scouts in Europe like talked to um, you know a a big Premier League club said that they had Paredes on their radar and that like it's it's somebody I've talked to that's been assigned to scout North America specifically MLS for you know talents you know 19 or 20s or, or under as early as they can possibly get over there like these clubs have taken notice like club Bruges have tried to sign like 10 mls guys over the past 18 months like they did get it they did get a few or they did get tajan buchanan obviously but like they tried for diego they had a deal in place for diego rossi and couldn't come to um an agreement on salary and i know that he's not a domestic guy but it just goes to show that like these clubs have realized that the quality of play here is real it's it's a league that you can kind of go to and get talent that is starting to be proven and these paths were laid by Christian Pulis, like Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, all, all that kind of like real first wave of legitimate stars. Alfonso Davies, obviously, like they, they look at this market the same way that like a decade ago or a little bit more when RSL signed Hamas and Olave from Columbia as like one of the first Colombian center backs to come to MLS. He yeah. wins defender of the year. And then every MLS club goes and tries to sign a Colombian center back. Like the way the way that these paths have opened and it's and it, it, it feels like a floodgate moment in that it wasn't just one off. It wasn't just Josie Altador happened to be born in New Jersey. It wasn't just Clint Dempsey happened to be born in Texas. And these are stars that if they were born in any country in the world to to you know a, a majority extent, they would have been successful. And these are just these special talents. Like this is a repeatable pattern. This is what development gets you. You 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 take a special talent like Ricardo Pepe and you form him a little bit better. And there's you give him a reason to stay in at go to the FC Dallas Academy instead of going to any Mexican academy that he probably would have went to 15 years ago if he was born there. And we would have been talking about a kid who was, oh, he was born in the United States and, Uh, you know, starting Mexico center forward. Like, it's just really awesome at the place we've arrived. The the league has arrived. Like, 
And I, I think this trajectory continues to go up, but like, even if it doesn't, like where it is right now is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And listen, that's, I'll just wrap it up by saying this. One of the things that I talk about a lot on this podcast is the idea of like trying to grow the sport and sell the sport in a notoriously difficult market. Like people mm -hmm. in, like, you know, like people in Philly love the Eagles and they don't give a flying fuck about any, anything <laughs> else. Right. You know, so I'm like trying to like, think of like, how can I like do a different approach here? You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, I write a story about how dudes starting for the United States are from Medford, Coatesville and Hershey. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we can do the rah-rah provincial parochial, you know, go, go America angle, you know. But we've come a, we've come a long way, and it's exciting to, to see it and be part of it. So, um, Tom, thanks for coming on. Tom Boger from MLS Soccer. You can follow him on Twitter uh, at T-O-M-B-O-G-E-R-T. Um, where else can people find you? Oh, Twitter is, is my hellscape, and it's where I spend entirely too much time. So I think, think that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I'm about to uh, end this podcast so I can go back to the hellscape. Uh, known as Twitter and see what's going on with Ben Simmons um, as we are nine days away from the trade deadline. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate the insight and the knowledge and uh, we'll do it again sometime. All right. Yeah, man. Whenever you want me. Thanks. Okay. So before we wrap it up, I want to give uh, a shout out to the newest local team in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Spartans who were recently uh, resurrected and uh, added to the, uh, the MASL third division, the major arena soccer league. Basically what happened here is a bunch of local dudes decided that they want to get together and resurrect the team and put an expansion team into the league. And uh, they've done that and they're now playing. So they're two and one actually uh, recent win Spartans nine Baltimore Kings eight. Uh, they beat a team from Maryland called skyline 12 to five and they lost their season opener uh, to Nova FC 10 to five. Um, but so far so good. And um, they're playing their local games actually at, at uh, two spots around here. They're playing at XL Sports World. So we have one of those um, actually near me uh, in Hatfield um, right off of 309. And then they've got another, they uh, also play at XL in uh, Mount Laurel. Um, so there's actually two spots locally that they go back and forth from. Um but good turnout so far um, for them. They've got um, Jeremy Ortiz is their uh, head coach slash player, and uh, Pat Morris has been coaching as well. You guys know Pat Morris? He's the um, Philadelphia Kicks guy. He was like a star for the Kicks back in the day. Um, they've been coaching. Um, all the, the games, I believe, are being streamed on their, their Facebook page, um, and they have a website as well. The website is philadelphiaspartans.soccershift.com. Again, that's philadelphiaspartans.soccershift.com with all the information and schedule uh, on there. And um, the Facebook page is uh, facebook.com slash philadelphiaspartans, all, uh, all one word there. So, you know, they have all their, uh, you know, the game highlights and score updates and stuff like that on there. And uh, you can follow them on, on social as well. They got all the... Um, the social media links up there at the same time too. So um, shout out to the Spartans. Good to see another local team um, in town um, and giving guys the opportunity to play. Uh, if you want to go see them play, the next home game uh, is on Sunday, February 27th. They're playing the Fredericksburg Fire. That's going to be at XL Sports World in Hatfield uh, up here near me. And then they play on Saturday, March 5th against Baltimore at XL Sports World Mount Laurel. They play Friday, March 11th uh, at XL and Mount Laurel as well. And then they're back up here in Hatfield on uh, Sunday, uh, March 13th. So I'm going to try to probably swing by to the, to the, uh, the game on the 27th. 
So uh, maybe I'll see you there. But yeah, give the Spartans some love and uh, welcome them to the uh, Philadelphia Union family. All right, um, that'll do it for this episode. Normally, I take questions and comments and stuff, but I, just, I honestly I didn't feel like doing it uh, today. So, no disrespect to any of the listeners. I just feel like we <laughs> just didn't have the capacity for it. So we'll uh, we'll do it next time. All right. <laughs>